Hey everybody, Tyler Smith here with another More Than One Lesson mini-sode. I wanted to apologize first off for uh, missing an episode last week. I was not feeling well and my voice was not very good and so I just decided to, to skip it. So I do apologize about that. I do try to usually uh, have something else for you, but I just uh, was not able to make it happen. And I've been remarkably busy uh, grading papers and grading tests and all that sort of thing. So, uh, and then this episode is not really anything uh, too in depth. There is some stuff a little bit later, um, some personal stuff to talk about, but um, but we're not talking about any movies or anything. Um, hopefully, in the next uh, next week, we'll definitely have an official episode and then uh, we'll be back on track hopefully. So thank you for your patience. I do appreciate it. Uh, in the meantime, I did want to let everybody know about some stuff that you can see uh, at more than one lesson.com. Uh, Reed has been cranking out the articles. Uh, he has been watching a number of horror movies, uh, some of them smaller, some of them uh, better known. So he reviewed the exorcist three uh, he reviewed one called They Look Like People, one called Blind Sun, uh, VHS, and The Neon Dead. So if you're a horror fan, then, you know, look those up because those are some of those are not movies that I have heard of, but they sound very interesting. So uh, if you're a horror junkie, as uh, Reed very much is, then uh, feel free to look into that. And then on his podcast, The Fear of God... They recently talked about James Whale's Frankenstein, which is a, a film that I absolutely adore. So um, check that out as well. Uh, a couple other things that are worth looking into. So uh, Bob Connolly, one of our writers, he has written reviews for David Brent, Life on the Road, which is uh, uh, a movie on Netflix all about the the character from the British office played by Ricky Gervais. Uh, and then he also, uh, Bob also wrote a review for John wick chapter two. So that is also available. Uh, and then, uh, Bob also has what he calls the Bob awards, which are, uh, very originally titled. Um, in which he just gives his, uh, he has various categories and it's just uh, his nominees and his ultimate awards for uh, the best movies and performances and various other things of 2016. So all of those are available at uh, morethanonelesson.com. Uh, let's see. Uh, Salty Cinema, uh, uh, Jacob Kinberg's podcast. Uh, it, their, the new episode uh, for this month has gone up. It's with David Jacobson, who is uh, just uh, something of uh, an all-purpose artist and producer. Um, he helped put out um, Lee Daniels, the butler a few years ago, and he's worked with Kanye West. And so uh, there's a lot going on there. But uh, so you can find that once again on the website. Uh, and I wanted to uh, tease something out. It's still uh, probably a couple weeks uh, in advance, but um, we are going to be bringing in another podcast, um, which will be hosted by Nate Fleming, and it's going to be called Thimble Rigs Arc. Now, that may seem a strange title, but um, Nate is a writer and a teacher who lives in China, and he uh, has written a novel called Thimble Rigs Arc, and then he has uh, his own blog called that as well, so we decided that his podcast would be called that, but it's going to be hosted through More Than One Lesson, and he is going to be talking about Christian film exclusively, and Nate is um, a guy who 
has written extensively about Christian media, not merely film, but also music and other things. And I think he's very eloquent about it. And I think he's very humble about it. And I think he, he does what I, I think we try to do on the show when we uh, approach, uh, approach Christian film, which is give it every chance that we can, but also be very honest with it as well. So uh, that's going to be starting up in the next few weeks. I'm very excited about it. Nate is a, a smart guy and uh, a fairly eloquent guy as well. So uh, something for you to look forward to uh, in the future. So that's, like I said, uh, there's no, you know, there's no... Uh, full episode of more than one lesson this week. Um, but there's a lot to do on the website and then, uh, those podcasts are uh, available on iTunes as well. But, uh, one thing that I did want to talk about, and if you've made it this far, then congratulations. I'm sure, uh, many people just thought this was, uh, all about announcements and stuff, which it, it kind of is, but, um, one thing that I wanted to talk about, um, you might be able to hear that I'm still a little bit under the weather. My nose is a, still a bit stuffed up, but, um, so I've been sick for the last couple of weeks and as tends to happen when I am sick, uh, I get to feeling very tired and very run down and it's hard to explain exactly how this works because I don't know exactly how it works, but uh, my depression tends to run pretty rampant uh, when I am sick. It's almost as though uh, with my physical defenses down, uh, somehow uh, my mental issues uh, are able to run a little freer. So um, so the last couple of weeks have been pretty rough for me. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about depression, not merely from my standpoint, but from the point of view of the various people I know that deal with depression. Um, so as we talked about with, uh, Tim Long, and as I have talked about on this show in the past, um, mental illness is very weird in the Christian community because it is not a thing that someone can see. Um, you can see when somebody has a broken leg, you know, when somebody has cancer, those are all very tangible things, but you don't necessarily see what, uh, what is wrong with somebody mentally, if they struggle with anxiety, if they struggle with depression. Um, and it also doesn't help that, uh, that someone can say, oh, I'm feeling depressed, or someone can say I'm very anxious, just to give a couple of, uh, of examples. Uh, those are terms that uh, have been normalized to such a degree that it does take the bite out of someone saying, I have depression. Um, and most people, Christian or otherwise, uh, will often take depression to mean sad. Uh, oh, I just get sad sometimes. And that is indeed the, the case in, in a lot of uh, instances for me, but it is much more oppressive than that. Um, and, <clears throat> and for some people they need to take uh, medication for other people. They just need to go to therapy or something like that. Um, and I just wanted to open up a little bit about my own depression because I know that um, a lot of people, not a lot of people, but I know a few people that listen to this podcast also struggle with depression. And one thing, one of the really insidious things about depression is that it can make you feel particularly alone. It can make you feel like a unique kind of freak that nobody understands and that nobody wants to understand. Um, and in the, and in Christian circles, there's the added element of, well, you believe in God and you believe in Jesus and you believe that you have a, a, a cosmic 
cosmic eternal hope. So why is that not making you happier? Do you actually believe in this stuff? Maybe if you did, you'd be happier. Why? Maybe you wouldn't be so depressed. Maybe you wouldn't be so sad all the time. So, um, so there's this added element. Um, you know, it's, it's weird to talk about depression because, um, in doing so, I find myself talking about it like it were, like it was another person, um, in my head that is saying things to me. Uh, it's not a voice that I hear. It's just the way my mind goes sometimes. And if I go too long without taking my, uh, antidepressant, uh, my wife definitely notices a difference. And then before I was on antidepressants and my depression was really, uh, uh, overtaking me, uh, Jen said that she felt like she didn't know who I was, that I seemed like a completely different person. Uh, and then I started taking my antidepressants and, and suddenly she said, this is, you know, this is you again. So it's very strange to think that, but, um, but yeah, depression is, is the thing that, that it's the stray thought that suddenly, um, takes hold of you and convinces you of things that are not true. And it's, and it's also the thing that makes you very susceptible to those lies. Um, you know, for myself, uh, to give you an example, um, and I'm just going to delve right in. I don't want to use this as a therapy session, quite the opposite. I want, I want people who struggle with this. I want you, if you want in the comment section, if you want, you're welcome to chime in with your own stories and your own issues, because I really want to try and destigmatize this a little bit. Uh, not that that is the goal of the, of the, sh- of the show, but it's something I've been thinking about the last couple of weeks because I've really been in the thick of it. Um, <clears throat> I've been sick and I've been stressed and both of those tend to set it off for me. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, it's, it's this feeling of just intent for me, an intense self-hatred, this, just this feeling that, you know, obviously there's the feelings of being a fraud. Somebody does not need to deal with uh, depression in order to feel that, but just this feeling like when I am in class, just the, the idea that everybody there knows that I don't actually deserve to be there, that I have nothing intelligent to say that I am, uh, I am, older than most of the people in my class. And yet somehow I'm uh, much dumber than they are, uh, that my jokes are not funny. People are laughing out of, uh, obligation or they are just judging me. Uh, they would rather I not be in class. They would prefer that I stop talking when I am talking. Uh, and just, they just have no interest in me except of course, when they are actively angry at me, there's no real evidence of this. But in my mind, you know, that again, the nature of, of depression is that it's, it whispers to you. Sometimes it yells, but, um, but it, it suggests things and it says, no, I know how things really are and how people really are and how people really are is, uh, they are humoring you. They are lying to you. They just, they do not want to deal with you in any capacity. Um, but society says people need to be nice. So they're being nice to you, but don't get me, but you know, make no mistake. They do not care for you. So, you know, that's an example. And then it also goes to, you know, uh, I am a burden to my wife and, 
uh, she's an absolute saint for being married to me, which is, you know, true enough. But in a way, I kind of think that everybody who's married to everybody else and remains married to everybody else is kind of a saint um, because there are times when all of us are remarkably unlovable. But there are moments when I just feel like I'm, I'm a burden to Jen and it would be better if we just got divorced so she could go and find somebody that could actually make her happy. Um, it would be better if I were dead so that she could be happy. Um, and I'm trying to think if there's any, and then obviously with, with the podcast, even right now at this very moment, um, I assume that people are thinking like, okay, boo hoo. He just wants us to feel sorry for him. He just wants, uh, to use this, uh, as, as a way of indulging himself. Uh, I have no interest in what he has to say and that sort of thing. Like it just, it, and it's kind of on a constant loop and it never really ends. There are days when it gets better and there are days when I have little moments of triumph and those are very exciting, but for the most part, it just, it just doesn't really stop. Um, and so, you know, if you are somebody who deals with this, if you are somebody who, who, hears this voice, not literally. Um, although, Hey, if there's that too, then I'd say there are, there are other issues that also need to be addressed. But, um, if you hear that voice in your head and you just don't really know how to fight it and you feel very alone, whether it be as a, in the Christian community or in general, you just feel very alone and feel like nobody understands what you're going through. Uh, I understand what you're going through and it's horrible and it's so exhausting and you just want it to go away and you just look at people who don't seem to deal with this. And by the way, just because someone doesn't seem to be dealing with it, that doesn't mean that they aren't dealing with it. So appearances can be deceiving, but nonetheless, you look at people who just seem to have it all together and, and you just wonder why can't I be more like that? Why can't I just be not even happy with myself, but why can't I just be content with myself? Um, why can't I just accept myself the way God accepts me? Why do I have to, why do I seem to hold myself to this weird standard? Isn't that sort of spitting in the face of God, you know, and then it just continues on from there. Um, So I do have a number of Bible verses to read, and I will say that as I read these, these bring me a certain degree of comfort, but not a, not a whole lot. Um, because for me, depression is often a war between what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking, or, re- or rather, what I feel versus what I know. I know these verses are true. I know who God is. I know that he loves me. I know that Jesus came to die for me. I accept that as true. And... But I so seldom feel that. Um, It's strange. Uh, My faith, though I do consider myself something of an emotional person, I do sometimes have an emotional response to faith. I do see my faith as as an intellectual thing primarily because it's not a thing I feel very often. Um, I know people who get emotional every time they talk about Jesus' sacrifice for us, and I have an understand. I do have an understanding of that intellectually, and it does prompt a feeling in me, but not, but I don't, I don't lead with that. Um, and so where my feelings naturally go is self-hatred and self-doubt and all that. So, um, so when somebody tries to read a Bible verse to me, uh, as a way to make me feel better, it works intellectually, but it tends not to work emotionally unless I work really hard, um, to remind myself of these things. So, you know, um, 
depression can be a very difficult thing and it can require a lot of work on your part. And that is not fair, but that's the way it is. Um, some people have learning disabilities. Some people have physical disabilities. Some people, uh, were raised in a, in a, in a crappy household and they have to work to get not over that, but to get past that and to work in and to operate as a person in spite of that. Everybody has their, their issues that they need to, to get past. And if you're someone who deals with depression, then that is just, that's the thing you need to, to work on. It's not an excuse to not be, it's not an excuse to allow yourself to be a bad Christian or a bad person. Um, and so, <clears throat> I'm going to read a few verses that might be of help to you there. They are of help to me if I let them be. Um, So the first is, uh, you're probably very familiar with these. This is Matthew 5, verses 3 through 10. These are what what are known as the Beatitudes. Uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's interesting that uh, it begins and ends with... uh, Uh, the kingdom of heaven. And so I want to go back to blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, when you talk about the, when you're a Christian long enough, you hear stuff like the kingdom of heaven and you're just like, okay, that's a phrase I've heard before. And I have a general idea of what that means. And, but it's not very real to me. And the idea of theirs is the kingdom of heaven, that the kingdom of heaven belongs to the poor in spirit. That's something that, we all just kind of hear and we think like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Sounds great. Um, but let's really think about it. Like when you're dealing with depression and if you're just somebody who is, who is humble or just, you know, poor in spirit can mean any number of things. Um, but for the moment, let's take, let's take it to mean depression and mental illness and loneliness and all these other things, um, that make us feel separate from other people. And in some cases less than other people. Um, in that moment we are poor, in spirit, not necessarily humble. That that is a different thing. This can be humbling. It can also, in my case, lead to a certain type of pride. But um, but uh, <clears throat> but yeah, it's in those moments we are poor in spirit. And Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is ours, which is to say, it is for us. Um, people who are who, whether we are outcasts or feel like outcasts. Jesus came for us. If you, if you look at his ministry, his direct ministry with people, it was, you know, tax collectors and prostitutes and lepers and that sort of thing. Um, people that had no place in society, they genuinely were outcasts and he was there for them. Theirs was the kingdom of heaven. If it was for them, it was for everybody. And that's us as well. The people that hate ourselves, the people who are constantly questioning whether we are loved and whether we deserve to be loved. Um, the kingdom of heaven is for us. Uh, and so hopefully that provides a certain degree of comfort for you. Uh, first Peter five verses six, uh, verses six through seven. 
Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The idea of being lifted up in due time. Uh, specifically, the in due time is what I was looking at here. And this idea that like it might not happen now. You might feel like you're just in the depths of despair right now. But you will be lifted up in due time. Even if that due time is the end of your life when you actually go to meet God. Uh, and then... Uh, your cares will at that point go away. Um, John 16, verse 33. Um, You know, actually, I'm going to read that one last. So next is Zephaniah 3, uh, verse 17. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. The idea of that is... Marvelous. It's a thing that my wife has had to remind me of that God, God doesn't merely, you know, it, it's strange that words like love for some people don't mean much. You know, of course it, it means a lot when someone says that they love me, but at the same time, people also say they love their dog. They love their cat. They love pizza. Uh, the word love gets thrown around a lot. And while we all understand that there are different kinds of love, the word itself, um, can be, I don't know, can some of the weight can, can be taken away. So phrases like God delighting in us is something, you know, we don't hear that very often. We don't hear the word delightful or delight unless it's, you know, sunny delight. And even then people say sunny D. Um, that was a weird tangent. Sorry. Anyway. Um, so we don't hear delight very often. And so when we hear that God delights in us, that's very different than love. Love sounds very formal. Uh, whereas delight, like when I think of somebody delighting in something, I imagine them like, (laughs) sorry, somebody kind of laughing, but like laughing out of pleasure and enjoyment. And the idea that God delights in us is fascinating. And, you know, my wife is an expert in, in, you know, managing me and my depression. And so she, she points out things that are unique to me that God delights in, you know, and stuff that I, and, and it might be stuff that I am inclined to condemn. Um, you know, I'm right now I'm sitting in my office and I'm looking at my collection of Riddlers um, and it is ridiculous and it's still a thing that I enjoy, but it's ridiculous. And, you know, Jen has said that that is something that God delights in, that I am a fan of the Riddler. Um, I remember one time she was saying it because uh, I was watching a YouTube video of a, a, a playthrough of a computer game that I played in the nineties and I was feeling nostalgic and I was literally watching somebody else play a game that I used to play when I was young. And she said, see this, this is the kind of thing that God delights in. Uh, but also God delights in your personality, your quirks, your talents. Um, I don't know. He, of course he loves you. Yes. But we need to imagine what that means beyond just like a big hug. Like it it means that he enjoys being with you. He enjoys spending time with you. Now, again, if you're somebody who deals with depression or anxiety or any number of these other things that we're talking about, that knowledge might not help. But by 
being more specific and talking about delighting as opposed to merely loving. I say merely loving as though it's a small thing. Of course, it's a huge thing. But words like delight, hopefully that brings an image to your mind. And if you can picture the God of the universe delighting in you, you know, perhaps that can be helpful to you in certain circumstances. Um, and then lastly, we're going to come back to John 16, verse 33. In this world, you will, uh, sorry, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And that is Jesus. It is this, and this is for anybody. It doesn't have to be somebody who deals with some of the stuff that we're talking about. Um, you will have trouble. It is a guarantee. You can't avoid it. Um, I feel like we all try to avoid trouble. It's understandable. We don't want it, but it's going to come, it's going to come to you and it will be very discouraging. Sometimes it will be oppressive and it will feel like you were never going to get out, but Jesus has overcome the world. This is not, this is not, um, the end of the line. And some people have trouble for their entire lives. Um, some people are born in poverty and they die in poverty. Some people are born with a physical ailment and they have that their entire lives. Some people, um, deal with depression and anxiety. Um, and they spend their entire life wishing desperately that they could just be content and be okay with who they are. And they just never are. Uh, and that's the trouble that they have. Um, in this world, but Jesus has overcome the world. He has come to give you hope. And even if that hope is quite literally that, that you will continue after this world is over. And once that happens, you are in the company of God who delights in you and loves you. And you, you may be poor in spirit now, but yours is the kingdom of heaven. So again, if you're somebody who deals with some of this stuff that we're talking about, this might this might be something you already know and you have to try to remind yourself, but in the end it really doesn't have much impact on you. Um, and I will say that, you know, like somebody who might, um, I'll bring it to like a, I'll bring it to a physical thing and I'll bring it back to me. So I'm somebody I've, I've always struggled with my weight. It's one of the things I really hate myself for. Um, I don't enjoy physical activity. A lot of people just naturally enjoy it and I tend to hate those people, but not nearly as much as I hate myself. Um, sorry to make a joke of it, but, uh, uh, sometimes it's the only thing I can do. Um, so, you know, I've always, uh, if I need, if I lose weight, it's cause I have, I'm working hard to lose weight. I'm trying to like get exercise. I'm trying to eat better and that sort of thing. Um, there's, I know people who eat much worse than I do. They don't work out and they are much thinner than I am. They just have a high metabolism or whatever it is. And I just am so envious of them. Um, it's not a thing they have to work on. It is a thing I absolutely have to work on through no fault of my own. Uh, I have a low metabolism, so if I even think of eating a pizza, I gain like three pounds. Uh, some people don't have to worry about that, so I have to work a little bit harder, in some cases a lot harder, in order to lose weight, in order to to look good and to be healthy and feel good. Um, so along those lines, if you're somebody who deals with depression, it's not fair that you deal with it, and other people don't. But that's the way things go, and you will have to work a little bit harder to internalize and absorb some of the things that we're talking about. 
Um, and maybe you never will, you know, like I said, if, if you've been raised in the church as I was, you've been hearing this stuff your whole life and it just, it can become white noise if you let it. Um, or you can really, you have to, you have to, I find myself having to work around the things that I already know. For example, uh, in talking about love versus delight. Now, of course I know what love means and I know that it's significant, but the word has, it's not that it's lost meaning. It's that I've grown used to it. Whereas the idea of delight, I have not grown used to, it still has power for me. So I want to, so I need to focus on that in moments when I feel absolutely unlovable by people, by myself, by my wife, by God, I can look at this verse that says he delights in me and that still has power. That's still something that I can, that I can absorb in that moment and, and get the, the briefest of relief from my depression and self-hatred. So, you know, there's, there's a lot to this and I, and I'm not sure I don't know exactly why I wanted to record about this right now. I certainly, you know, the show's been going on for years. I've talked at length about my depression. Um, But I don't know, maybe you're somebody that deals with this and maybe this is something you needed to hear right now. But God does love you. God does delight in you. You are lovable. Doesn't mean you're perfect. You have flaws, but so does everybody else. Um, And I don't know, I just want to encourage you that on top of everything else, you are not alone in the things that you are struggling with. Regardless of what that voice might say, you are actually not alone in the stuff that you're dealing with. You have, if nobody else, me, Tyler Smith, multiple podcast award nominee. (laughs) Um, So there's that. Um, but if you want, um, you know, I'll open up the, the, the comments section. It's already open, um, but I still have to approve comments. Um, if you want to chime in with some of your own experiences, uh, feel free to do so. If you want to chime in with some of your own encouragements, um, for other people that might be dealing with this, go right ahead. You know, um, we can help equip each other with tools, uh, with which to combat this stuff. Um, and if you're somebody listening and you have never dealt with depression, um, and this is all kind of a, uh, a foreign concept to you, then thank you for listening this far. Um, and if you, if there's somebody in your life who, who does deal with this and you have a, and you, you find yourself having a heart for them because of this minisode, um, then, then ask them, what's it like to have depression? I want to hear what it's like for you. Um, you know, and you might have to drag it out of them. They might not, they might not trust you. They might not actually believe that you want to hear this. Um, you know, and that's where you might have to go uh, the extra mile and they will eventually appreciate it. I'll say that. So anyway, uh, that's about it. Uh, I know it's kind of a random episode. It has nothing to do do with movies or anything like that. Uh, we'll be back on track next week. Um, and like I said, in the meantime, there's a lot of stuff you can do on the website, but, um, but thank you everybody for, for listening. I am feeling better now physically. I'm feeling uh, better now mentally. I'm still in the midst of, having to do a lot of stuff for school, but, uh, but I'm getting, I'm getting through that slowly, but surely, but, but I'm feeling okay. And I wanted to, uh, I wanted to open up to you guys and let you know where I am right now. So anyway, uh, thank you everybody for listening and I'll get you next time. Bye.